Hey everyone, welcome back to the Dropping Paradigms podcast. We're on episode 12 today. I just want to say Merry Christmas to you as we kick off our Christmas episode. My name is Heath Hunter. I'm one of the co-hosts and I'm with my other co-host here. What's up guys? It's Tori Donato. Merry Christmas to uh, you and yours. I don't know about you guys. This is my favorite time of the year. So uh, I'm looking forward to this Christmas episode. And we're talking about, you know, one of the, one of the, classic Christmas movies, at least for, for Heath and I growing up as kids. It was one of my favorite movies. So I'm excited about this one. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Jingle All the Way. A little, uh, it's turbo time. Yeah. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. But hey, before we get started, I have a question. This was something our pastor talked about two weeks ago in his sermon. Do you like Christmas music? Ooh, I do. I do. But I would say the the Christmas music that we listen to, at least what I remember growing up, it seemed to be almost exclusively Mariah Carey's Christmas album. I mean, all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that whatever album that was that had that song. Um, so Whenever I hear that song or songs from that album, I'm like, yeah, I love this. All the other Christmas Christmas music, though, I'm just kind of like, uh, it's Christmas music. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, he brought up the fact he's actually not a fan of Christmas music in general because he thinks it's kind of overplayed. And But he did bring up the fact that millennials, apparently, uh, we really enjoy Christmas music. <laughs> and I, I'm kind of on the side of... I like Christmas music for a certain amount of time. My wife like turns it on, I think like before Halloween, but for sure, like one November, you know, Christmas music is always bumping in her car or in her office. But for me, I'm a little, I don't know, a little choosier about when I, when I kick off the uh, Christmas tunes. Yeah. That's actually pretty funny. So my wife literally like hums Christmas songs, all year like she'll you know if she's like doing something around the house or like you know really focused on something she'll start humming something else or just like humming and it'll it'll inevitably turn into some sort of christmas jingle and it's usually like (laughs) funny enough it usually always like gets back to like the 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 home alone christmas jingle like yeah and i'm like it's February, honey. She's like, so <laughs> Christmas just happened a couple months ago. And then it's July, but yeah, it's Christmas in July. Yeah. So, um, I hear Christmas songs all the time. Well, I mean, interesting. I, I guess that's just her way of concentrating. So good for <laughs> her, but Hey man, yeah. uh, another question for you. So since it's a Christmas episode, just wanted to ask, like, do you have any Christmas traditions either ones you had previously or ones you have now. Yeah. 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 So one of the, one of the long held Christmas traditions, and this was actually on my mom's side of the family is on Christmas Eve, everybody would stay up until midnight. And one of the, one of the uncles in the family, we usually an uncle or like an older cousin would dress up in this like Santa costume that, got passed down for, I don't know how many years, but to give you a sense of how old it was, like the, 
the elbows are like missing. So you put the, you put the costume on and literally your elbows are out. Um, <laughs> uh, and like we lost the boots. So, you know, Santa always had on like sandals or tennis shoes or something. Um, Fine. Yeah. And, and, you know, they'd come knocking on the door with, with a couple gifts in hand and, you know, the kids will, you know, so along with that, with that, um, tradition you know the the little kids would get sent into the back room to like go to sleep and then somebody would mysteriously knock on the door and they'd be like it's santa claus (laughs) and uh, it it took us you know a couple years to figure out it was just one of our uncles and then at midnight everybody would open their presents and so you know we 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 wouldn't wait until christmas morning when everybody woke up we just open all the presents at at midnight um so that's one that that we've we've done um without fail um my mom's side of the family since i can remember dad's side of the family we didn't really have any like you know tried and true christmas traditions and then one that we're actually trying to start you know with with my wife and i and our kids is a christmas eve dinner maybe like a just like a small christmas breakfast but not not like a big like christmas day meal or anything and just kind of you know hanging out during during uh the day on Christmas and maybe eating some leftover, you know, food from, from the night before, but uh, Christmas Eve dinner and, and, a, and a small Christmas breakfast is, is the tradition that we're going to try for the first time this year. Uh, okay. The kids seem like they're on board with it. I mean, I, I think they're more on board with the fact that they don't have to, they're not going to have to stop and eat besides breakfast and they can just play with their toys the rest of the day, which works for us because we can pretty much relax during the day. So it's going to be good. I like it. I like it. Uh, so for me and kind of my family traditions, the one I kind of remember is we would always go to, you know, Christmas Eve service. And then we'd always like hang out at, at a cousin's house kind of beforehand. And then afterwards, and then we'd always, I, I usually got to open up like one present on Christmas Eve and then, you know, Christmas day, do the whole present thing. And then always watching basketball on Christmas. Oh yeah, man. That's, that's going to be, you know, my kids don't know it and they're probably not going to care because they're not going to watch, but we will be watching a lot of basketball on Christmas day. Yeah. And, and as of recently, I've always enjoyed, uh, you know, seeing what uh, shoes the players would bring out for Christmas. Oh yeah. Especially like, you know, the Kobe uh, Grinches, are still like a shoe that, you know, guys wear even not on Christmas. Yeah. Those are some awesome shoes, by the way. Like, you know, there's, there's probably, there's not many shoes that, that I would pay some good money for, but I'd, I'd pay some good money for the Kobe branches. Yeah. And then uh, a tradition that my wife and I started with my kids and really this was my wife's idea. We started doing pizza we, okay. we started it on Christmas Eve. It's kind of moved to Christmas Day now that my wife works at a church, and it's obviously a really busy time of the year for her. Uh, but we started making them in the shape of like a Christmas tree. Okay. So we'd have Christmas pizza, but the whole idea was to be able to get everybody into the kitchen. So my kids, even though you know they're nine and five right now, they can make their own pizza, but just kind of be in the kitchen and and kind of hanging out. That's cool, man. I like that. And so this is the first year we actually found baking dishes, ones in the shape of a, a wreath, and then we have one in the shape of a Christmas tree. So we don't have to make our own, you know, Christmas tree shape uh, by just like cutting out the dough. 
but yeah, it's been a pretty pretty fun tradition and and I'm I'm looking forward to it to do it here in the next couple of days. Sweet man. That's awesome, dude. So, uh let's get into thinking a little bit about uh, Jingle All the Way. As always, I've got the IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. So, from IMDb, Jingle All the Way, a father vows to get his son a Turbo Man action figure for Christmas. However, every store is sold out of them and he must travel all over town and compete with everybody else in order to find one. That's a pretty good. That's that's a pretty good synopsis. Like Yeah. I think that's that's pretty spot on. And then uh, before I give you the rating, I'm going to, I'll read Rotten Tomatoes. Workaholic Howard Langston, Arnold Schwarzenegger, wants to make things up to his son. Sorry, l- let me just, let me start that again. Workaholic Howard Langston wants to make things up to his son, Jamie, and his wife, Liz. He promises to get Jamie the hottest toy of the season, Turbo Man. Even though it's Christmas Eve and the toy is practically sold out, as Langston hunts down the elusive gift, he runs into the mailman, Myron, played by Sinbad, another father on the same quest. With the clock winding down, Langston's moral code is tested as he starts to learn the real meaning of Christmas. Hmm. I think I like the IMDb one better. That that one, I think, kind of it kind of starts to like muddy the plot of the movie a little bit. Uh, yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes. Like they, yeah, I do like how how they make mention of Arnold Schwarzenegger's most like American name possible, Howard Langston. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's funny because watching the movie, like you can tell he, he's still like sort of uncomfortable speaking a lot on camera be, yeah. because you know he, he's, he's still trying to get his English down really good, but, uh, and they give him a name like Howard Langston. <laughs> I think that's kind of comical. <laughs> yeah. I, and I don't know, like, why are they trying to hide it? Everyone knows. Yeah. And he, so what? He could have been an immigrant, like, that came to the U.S., working his great job where he has, you know, 4,000 number one customers, or really no, whoever, <laughs> whoever he's on the phone with is his number one customer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. But maybe that name explains why IMDb gave it 5.7 out of 10. Ooh, 5.7. Yeah. Rough. So knowing that, what do you think the tomato meter was? It's um, percentage. Remember, it's percentage out of 100. I'm going to say tomatoes gave them, um, I'm going to say uh, a 53. Not even close. 19%. Oh, <laughs> wow. 19%? And the audience score was 38%. Man. So Chalk is... Chalk I really this, like this movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it too. But this is now definitely the movie with the lowest score, both IMDb and the tomato meter that we've covered so far. Yeah. And so I if think you're listening, like, don't, don't turn it off yet just because the, the, the scores are really low. Yeah. Again, go watch this movie. I think it's a good movie. Don't don't worry about the scores this time. Is there overacting? Yes. Yeah. Do do you know what's going to happen in the end? Yes. But that doesn't matter. It's a Christmas movie. It's just watch it if you haven't seen it, it. To me, it's like hilarious to go back and watch this as an adult. Like I remember watching it as a kid. I was like, oh man, 
it's terrible time like really getting into it and <laughs> yeah. like super super angry that you know he couldn't find a toy for his son but watching it as an adult with my kids like i was almost crying laughing like you know <laughs> gut busting laughter and and you know my kids were looking at me like it's not that funny dad and i was like no it is it's hilarious uh so it's kind of like uh you know for for those of you that have ever watched napoleon dynamite like the first time you watch it, you're like, this is the stupidest movie I've ever seen. And then you watch it again, you watch it again, and it gets funnier and funnier the more you watch it. Um, to me, that's what Jingle All the Way was. Like this, this was literally the first time I've watched it probably since I was like eight or nine. And it was nonstop laughter for me. Yeah, definitely, definitely good. And, and to top it off, like listen to this cast. So you've got Arnold, obviously. You've got Sinbad. You've got Phil Hartman, Rita Wilson, Jim Belushi. And I don't know if you caught it, but you had the big show in there as well. Oh, yeah. He was a, he was a huge Santa, right? Yep. Oh, I I I missed that. But now, now that you say it, like, yeah, he that definitely was him. Yeah. So, I mean... Great cast, especially, you know, 1996. Like, I mean, that was, you know, some big names at the yeah. time. And you get an Arnold Schwarzenegger fight scene. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what is more 90s than that. Yeah, you obviously want that. Like, it, Arnold was like the rock before the rock now. You know, the rock is like the, arguably like the biggest, the biggest movie star right now. Yeah. For a time, that was Arnold. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, maybe a short time, but still, he had his moment. <laughs> he did. did. So you, you brought up Turbo Man. So here's another question for you. Yeah. What was like your favorite toy that you received on Christmas as a kid? Or... If you don't have like your favorite one right off the top of your, your nugget, like what, what is your favorite toy that you, or what is one toy you didn't get that you really wanted? Okay. Um, I'll go with my, with my favorite toy. And it was, it's more so my favorite because it's the first one that I got. And I, I like really, really wanted it more than anything else. Uh, it was my first Nerf gun and it, it, it had the, it, it had the Nerf, um, the like the the sticky darts you know, this this was before you know nerf came yeah. out with the super cool ones that didn't stick that that was like all, all they had back in the day was like you shoot your nerf gun and it sticks to the wall and i think i had like five darts you had to load every single dart one at a time shoot it load the next one shoot it but i thought that was like the most awesome thing because one of my favorite movies when i was a kid was robocop and so I needed to have a gun like RoboCop. And so, uh, you know, when I, when, when I got a Nerf gun uh, for Christmas, uh, I just ran around the house pretending I was RoboCop shooting everything. <laughs> Dude, I just picture you like running up to your mom and being like, dead or alive, you're coming with yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I so did, man, all the time. <laughs> we... Uh, we definitely have to do RoboCop on this podcast. Oh, RoboCop would be such a classic movie to do. People are probably listening like, 
what is it with these guys in all these like old <laughs> movies? Like, <laughs> there's so much to learn from them. Yeah. Uh, what about you, man? What what uh, <laughs> toy was the one that you coveted, or the one that you never got? That so I remember too, like super vividly. And I don't remember which order I got them, but we'll uh, we'll talk about one that I remember was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I got the sewer and the bus. Oh, nice. And not only that, but it was all completely set up for me when I got up in the morning. Oh, that's money, dude. So I didn't have to unwrap anything. It was just like all in, ready to play, like bringing out my Ninja Turtles, ready to you know hang out in the, uh, in the sewer. So that one was super awesome. And then... The other one that I remember was I got the original dream team, like little figures. Yeah. And I know my mom is going to listen to this podcast. Uh, She's, you know, one of, you know, two listeners that we have probably (laughs) your your mom, my mom, but whatever. (laughs) And she convinced me to take them out of the box. And Mm. Sure enough, within like a week of taking them out of the box, my dog chewed up Larry Bird. Oh, no. I don't know what she had against Larry Bird. Maybe it was because she thought he was a bird. Don't know. (laughs) But that was the only one she chewed up. Uh, Maybe John Stockton, too. So maybe she had something against the white guys on the team. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's hilarious man so not not christian laner although like i can't even remember christian laner actually being a part of that set but i guess he was there yeah he, he was a token college kid yeah yeah but yeah no she didn't touch christian laner just I, like i really remember larry bird i think he was like missing an entire hand and then the little stand and like part of his leg oh left his back though he had a bad back then so she didn't want to yeah didn't want yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I like I was so mad, and to this day, like I'm just thinking, man, can you imagine if that thing was still in the box in like pristine condition? Dude, that'd be worth a ton of money, man. Yeah, what could have been? Yeah. Oh well. I don't think I would have had like the 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 discipline to like keep it in the box. So, see, I was pretty good about that. I have, I had, and still have a pretty. Uh, Pretty extensive Jeff Gordon car collection. All of it still in the boxes. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Nice, man. But as I was thinking about that question and thinking about Turbo Man, I, uh, I did a little research. And I started looking up the hottest toys. And I have a list that goes all the way back to 1977. I'm not going to bore everyone with reading every single uh, toy for every single year. But I will say Star Wars toys dominated 1977. I could see that. But I did. I have a question for you. So there is one. It's, it's not really a, it's not like a single toy that shows up multiple times, but it's, there's a theme, a certain character that shows up multiple times. Any ideas who that might be? Think back to the mid nineties when he showed up the first time. Mid nineties. 
certain character that continues to show up. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say Buzz Lightyear. It was not Buzz Lightyear. They didn't actually, Buzz didn't even show up. None of the Toy Story toys. Really? Teddy Ruxpin did show up. Okay. In 1986, the year I was born. Uh, you were born in 88, right? Yeah. The Nintendo console was the uh, hottest toy that year. Nintendo. I remember that. But I, I was thinking, or I was talking about Elmo. Elmo. Oh, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Like, dang, Elmo's been around forever. Yeah. So Tickle Me Elmo was the number one toy in 1996. Elmo Live in 2008. 2011 was Let's Rock Elmo. And 2013 was Big Hugs Elmo. Dang. Elmo keeping Sesame Street alive one, you know, single-handedly. Yeah. Yeah. And then just a couple other ones that kind of stuck out to me. Uh, I mean, you've got Transformers, Ninja Turtles, Barney, you know, iPad makes a, a an appearance, Xbox, PlayStation. Yeah. But do you remember the Talk Boy from Home Alone, another Christmas movie? Oh yeah. So nineteen ninety three. That was one of the things, you know, going back to Christmas presents that I always wanted that I never got. Um, you know, because I, I wanted to do what what Kevin did in, in the movies and like record people and then play it back and you know scare people or do whatever I wanted to. But yeah, that's one of the ones that I, I wanted that I never got. Yeah, I had some friends that had it. Always loved playing with that thing. And then a couple other ones, like so I I remember Beanie Babies being a big thing. That was 1995. Beanie Babies, I remember that. Tamagotchi, 97. Tamagotchi for sure. Uh, Furby in 98. Like I remember like watching the news and everyone talking about Furbies. I did not want a Furby. No. I don't know what why people went crazy about Furbies. Yeah, me either. And then uh, so 2021 Apparently, the hottest toy this year is a plush Grogu. A what? A plush Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. Oh, okay. When you say Baby Yoda, I guess I can I can see it. Yeah, it's Grogu. I Come on. What you were talking about when you say Grogu. I, you know, this is probably going to completely um, blacklist me, you know, amongst a lot of people. But I've never seen any Star Wars Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, like none of those movies. And wow. I will highly likely never watch them. Well, that's wrong because we'll we'll probably have to do one for <laughs> I mean, dude, I took so much hate from some of my friends uh, for not seeing Gladiator. Well, I mean, I hope you get some hate from people that listen to this for not having ever seen like Star Wars or. I mean, Star Trek, whatever, but Star Wars, like everyone's seen a Star Wars movie. I mean, I, I you expect that, you know, you get hate for not watching Gladiator. I mean, some some people will highly respect the fact that I don't watch Star Wars, but you're right. Some others will, will be like, you know, you're an American. <laughs> True. All right. So I think we've probably... Uh, 
kept these people in suspense enough. I know they're all here to uh, hear our dimes, not hear us pontificate about toys. So if you don't mind, I think I'll kick us off today with uh, my first dime. So for those of you that haven't seen the movie, the movie kind of starts out with, you know, if you think back to the Rotten Tomatoes, and it starts off with uh, old Howard sitting in his office. What is he? Do you remember what he's selling? I don't think we ever actually find out what it is that he's it's selling, but like, he's he, he's he's selling something. It's something to do with like bedding or mattresses or something, I think. But anyway, you know, he's on the phone and he's like taking a bunch of phone calls and said, you know, uh, you're my number one customer as he, you know, tries to make amends for whatever happened. And then his wife ends up calling him and she's like, hey, you need to remember that you need to be at your son's at Jamie's uh, karate competition or not karate competition is uh, he's going to go from yellow belt to purple belt, I think. Yep. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. And then he ends up like being late. But what I kind of like this made me think about my own childhood and I kind of wanted to give a shout out uh, to my mom because one of the things that I remember, you know, when I was younger was she went to every single event that I had, whether she had to take time off work, you know, or, you know, you know, sacrifice something else, everything from little league sports to, you know, high school sports to band concerts, to plays, to graduations, to any milestone, you know, my mom has always been there. And, and, you know, that's something that that was always, you know, awesome to me and something I I really remember. But in this movie, what you kind of see is, you know, one parent kind of holding the other parent accountable. And I think that is, you know, the, Something that, you know, those of us that, that are married, that have kids, even if you don't have kids, you're just married, that accountability amongst, you know, spouses is, you know, something that can't be understated. And, you know, it's something that my wife and I both kind of work on as we, you know, are dealing with our kids, either, you know, misbehaving or um, remembering to, you know, put down the phone you know, instead of, you know, scrolling through, you know, whatever social media or remembering to, you know, have time just to spend it with one of the kids, you know, separate from the, the other one, just so they can get some, you know, time with, you know, mom and dad or, or mom or dad. And I think you see it kind of play out, you know, later in the movie, she, the wife brings it up to the, to, to Howard you know, multiple times. And it isn't until the end that he really kind of starts to understand, you know, what he's missing out on. But I think it's good that instead of just completely giving up on him, she kind of continues to badger him and continues to hold him accountable and make him uh, see, you know, what's happening including I thought what was really awesome was after he had missed the, um, the belt ceremony and he got home, he tried to apologize to his wife 
And she's like, I'm not the one you need to apologize to. It's your son. And I was like, Oh wow. Like that is, that is great. While she is disappointed in him, it is, you know, nothing compared to what his son's kind of going through right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point, man. You know, I, I heard somebody say one time that if you don't have accountability in a relationship, you don't have anything. And that struck me as, as pretty profound because the person saying it was essentially placing like accountability at the top of the list of, of things that were sort of, you know, necessary for a relationship to, to flourish. And I think it kind of does have, have some merit because, you know, when, when you, one, when you have a relationship where you're able to hold each other accountable, you know, without it feeling like, you know, you're, you're blaming the other person or the other person is blaming you or, or, you know, you're accusing uh, the other person or being accused of, of, you know, not, not following through whatever the case is, but, you know, to truly hold each other accountable, hold, hold each other accountable, you know, for, um, you know, the, the betterment of the relationship and, and out of a place of like love and respect for that other person. Um, it, it, it does, you know, really, I think kind of help the relationship to continue to kind of grow and, and mature, you know, for those of our listeners that are just married, that don't have kids yet, or, you know, those that are married with kids and having other kids or whatever the case is, or, you know, even those that are transitioning into like, becoming grandparents. Like that's, that's a whole new, you know, ad- adventure in and of itself. And, and so I, I think that's, that's a really good thread to pull on, you know, in, in the movie, how um, she does hold Howard accountable, um, you know, to the, the things that he says he's, he's going to do. And, and what you also see is it, is that that accountability translates to his son too. And, and, his son also holds him accountable. Like, Hey, you, you promised that you were going to be coming to the parade. And when people make promises, like they should keep them. And, and and so I think that's, that's kind of a cool thing too, to see, um, you know, that because mom is holding dad accountable and, and, you know, not letting him off the hook, you know, which, we can kind of have another discussion about maybe the way that his son approached him, you know, <laughs> during, during some of those times where he was kind of holding him accountable. But, um, you know, the, the, I think that also empowers, you know, his son to, to hold him accountable, which in turn teaches him, it teaches the son, a, you know, accountability as well. You know, that if, 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 you know, mom's going to hold me accountable, then I'm going to hold you, hold you accountable and you should, and, and, and vice versa. And then, you know, hopefully that, tra- that would translate to, you know, the son's relationships when, when he grows up and, you know, is, is navigating all those things that accountability is something that, that he's able to, to have and, and present in relationships as well. So no, I, I think that's a great point, man. Yeah. And I think you, you bring up the fact that they've, basically created the culture of accountability within the household. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to remember something else that you, you know, mentioned is how you hold people accountable, right? It's not a, it's not an attack on them as, 
a person or a personal attack. You have to do it from a place of love, like you talked about. And you have to do it from a place of, I'm trying to make things better, not make things worse. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's, that's always an interesting one and a difficult one, you know, that I, I always find is, you know, my wife and I, you know, we're communicating and trying to hold each other accountable. It's, it's remembering when she calls me out, like she's not calling me out because she doesn't love me. She's calling me out because she does love me and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the, the other element to that is you also have to be willing to be held accountable. And, yeah. and, you know, like, like you were just saying, and it is, it is difficult. I, you know, I, I experienced the same thing too. You know, when, when you're being held accountable, it is very easy to feel like you're here. Wait, why are you calling me out? Like, why are you jumping <laughs> on me about this? Whatever the case is. Uh, but when you stop to, to think about it and, and take a step back from how you feel emotionally and realize like, you know, this one I've, I've hopefully asked, to be held accountable to, to the things that I say I'm going to do or, or, you know, the, the, the goals that we have for our, our relationship. Um, and I know that this person who is holding me accountable is, is, is doing it one, because I asked them to, and then two, because it's out of love and respect for, for me and, and, and for reverence for the, the relationship and all that sort of stuff. So that's a huge thing. Cause I think there's so many people who, who want to hold others accountable but then we'll turn around and not be willing to be held accountable themselves because it forces them to look at their own mistakes and accept, um, you know, that they're wrong sometimes or that they didn't do what they said they were going to do and to not make excuses for it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So, dude, I, I think that 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 trans that transitions really well into, um, you know, one of my dimes. Uh, and I guess the the takeaway here is just keeping awareness on the balance between, um, you know, material things and and physical presence. You know, so in the movie. You know, we've already talked we've, we've kind of already talked about how how Howard isn't there a lot you know there's a lot of things that that he misses but uh we can tell that he kind of makes up for those things um with with material items and you know he goes and he asks his son you know hey what's the one thing you want for christmas and i and i will get it for you um doesn't matter what it is and obviously his son tells him you know he, he wants turbo man and and all this sort of stuff and and you know, his wife had even told him that weeks ago to, to go buy Turbo Man for, for his son. And he goes on this journey to try to get this one thing for his son. And I remember there, there there's a part um, in, in the movie where uh, Howard and Myron are talking um, at the diner about uh, their, their childhood. And Howard mentions how he built his son a, a a tree house and how, you know, the tree house wasn't, wasn't perfect. Like the roof was kind of messed up. The door was a little crooked, but his son's eyes just lit up and, and he, he played in there all day. And I think he even mentioned that he was also in the tree house with his son. And then towards the end of the movie, you know, when 
you know, Howard has his, his uh, short stint as, as a turbo man and saves a day and saves his son. You know, his son is, gets this limited edition, you know, turbo man that basically no other kid has. And he ends up giving it to Myron to give to his kid because, and, and his son says, you know, why do I need the action figure when I have the real thing at home? And I think it's, it's not until like that point in the movie or maybe, maybe a few minutes before then, but um, that's kind of where it hits the crescendo where Howard, um, his son, and you know what his wife has probably been realizing this whole time, realize like, you know, I, I just want you to be there for things. I, I, you know, I want you to be there when I go from a green belt to a purple belt, you know, I want you to be there for the parade that you said you were going to be there for. Like I, you know, the, the physical presence and, you know, some, sometimes, uh, especially as a parent, but, but, but I think just in, in, in general, in any relationship, you know, we, you know, we want to, to be able to do, do things and, and gift things to, to the people that we care about. Um, you know, I, I'll be the first to say that, you know, if, if I can get my kids something, if, if I have the ability to do it, then I'm probably going to do it because, you know, I, I, I want them to be able to have, you know, whatever it is they, they, they want in this world. And if I can help them to get it, then, you know, I, I feel honored to do it, but sometimes uh, it's, it's not necessarily about the item, but it's about, you know, your physical presence. And I'm reminded by that when my kids get toys and they want me to play with them with their toys, like a perfect example, which is it's 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 going to happen here in a couple of days uh, for for Christmas when my sons open their Legos, they're going to want me to go build Legos with them. And I'll I'll be honest, part of me is going to be like I don't really want to. I just kind of want to hang out and watch the basketball games, and you know, and, and enjoy, you know, some, some rest from like a, a, a busy couple of weeks, you know, scrambling to get gifts and wrap gifts and do, you know, do all that sort of stuff. Um, but then there's another part of me that's like, no, you, this is as much as my kids love the toys that they got for Christmas or that they're going to get for Christmas, they're going to remember more that I took some time and, hung out with them in their room while, while they were building Legos, even if I'm not great at building. And, uh, you know, especially for this Christmas season, you know, I, I think it's a good reminder for, for all, all parents out there and just all, all people in relationships to, to, to remember like the gifts are nice, but, but, but the presence is what matters most. You know, people even say this, you know, for, for, for those of us that are Christians, um, you know, we know this kind of phrase pr- pretty well, you know, Christmas isn't about the presence. It's about his presence. It's about, you know, the presence of God, the presence of Jesus. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that the movie does a great job of illustrating that and being a reminder to anybody who watches it, that you got to be there. Like that matters. Yeah. Dude, it's so good, and 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 that's why like 
you know, I brought up when we're talking about accountability, like I still, you know, I'm 35 years old. I, I graduated high school in 2004, but I still like, even though I, we probably had some discussions afterwards, I still remember my mom yelling, you know, at me on the basketball court to take a charge, you know, or, or stop fouling or something like that. And like, those are some of my, you know, best memories. And, you know, those were a long time ago. And I just, you know, I hope you know, the job I have now is, you know, caused me to have some travels and miss some things that my kids do. And, and it sucks, but I hope that when I am here, I'm present enough for them and that they still have those good memories as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Same here, man. Same here. Uh, you know, I, it, and I, I think, you know, it's, it's presence, but also if I can add one thing onto that, like the, the other thing that Howard does is he, he says he's going to do something, but he doesn't really follow through, you know, in English, they call it subject verb agreement, you know, <laughs> and I, I would, I would offer a statement action agreement. So you make a statement, I'm going to do this. And then your actions have to agree with that statement. And, you know, that, that equals consistency of, of, of effort or consistency of, of engagement um, that ultimately is also probably going to lead to, to some pretty consistent presence as well. And, and so I'll just add that little, little nugget in there. I, I like that. I wrote that down. Statement, action, agreement. Yep. It's good. Along with your English lesson that you got. So this podcast does not do math well, uh, but apparently Tori is going to bring you English lessons from time to time. So yes, stay tuned we do for this. good on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't speak good, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, th- I mean, that's a tough one to follow, but I'll try. With uh, my paradigm to ulterior motives so before okay. i go into it how do you spell ulterior ulterior motives oh geez this is one of those hard words yeah it starts with a u it's u-l-t-e-r-i-o-r i was definitely going to be like it's an a yeah just so was i as i tried to you know google it to make sure that i spelled it correctly for the uh, show notes later on uh, but it is a you. But I, I thought about this paradigm as if you remember the character of Ted. Yeah. Who is played by Phil Hartman. So Ted is a very present father in his son's life. He's always there, you know, making videos or videotaping, you know, what's ever going on, but he's also a little over uh, helpful to some of the uh, other ladies who maybe their husbands aren't quite as present, including what seems like, uh, you know, Ted might be, might have an ulterior motive for being so kind and friendly in Mm -hmm. trying to, uh, you know, maybe get one of those ladies to, uh, you know, cheat on their husband. We don't, we don't ever see it go that far in the movie, but you kind of, you know, see that 
idea play out. And so I started thinking about ulterior motives and generally, you know, if we're like at work and we see somebody doing something that, you know, is going to get them a promotion or looks really good to the boss, a lot of times we jump on this as, oh, they're only doing that because they want to get promoted or they want the boss to see. For sure. And I think there's probably some truth to that. And JP Morgan has a pretty famous quote that says, a man always has two reasons for doing anything, a good reason and the real reason. Ooh, I like that. But there is some thought and some idea that just because people have an ulterior motive doesn't necessarily make it bad. Okay. And that's kind of what I want to, you know, you know, take a look at and kind of provide as a, a thought for folks. So if we take Ted out of this, cause I think Ted was sleazy and he wasn't doing all of the good things for his kid and for the others, you know, for good reasons. But I think we have to remember that, you know, maybe our, our judgment of people gets clouded sometimes because we assume that they're not in it for the right reasons okay. when, when they could be. And so I pose this question, is it okay that people have more than one reason for doing something? Um, I think it is, you know, I, I, I paused for a second because the, the thought that kind of ran across my mind was, are all the, the reasons that they're doing something altruistic. And, and, and then I kind of backed away from that because who am I to say that they're the reason for somebody doing something or the multiple reasons why somebody's doing something um, are or are not, you know, all, all altruistic and, and based in, you know, the greater good. Um, but I, I, I would say, yeah, I think it's okay that, that somebody has multiple reasons for, for doing things. Um, I've got multiple reasons for, for some of the things that I do. Uh, I would, I would offer that. I personally feel that the reasons that I'm doing something, uh, or the multiple reasons why I'm doing something are, are always for a good reason in, in my mind or, or for a good purpose, but an argument could be made by somebody else that it's, it's not a good reason to do it. So, um, I do think that it's okay. I think I'm, on the fence on whether or not I think that it's got to be, you know, based in, you know, good, good moral standing, whatever the reason might be. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think for the most part, it's okay to have multiple reasons for, for doing something, you know, say for doing something nice, but I think too, it, it, it is more to do with are is the good reason or the real reason 
the bigger reason that, that you or that someone else is doing the thing. Okay. So like, I'll, I'll give this example. You, you're in a, a room with, you know, your, your boss is in there. You're with a group of other of your peers and your boss needs someone to stay after to finish a, you know, project. So there's, you know, a good reason in that, you know, you're taking the, the bullet for other people. And then there might be a real reason as this is going to, you know, potentially make you look good for in front of your boss, right? Like you volunteered to stay right. after to get this thing done. So is, is that okay? I think personally, like if you volunteer to do it because, you know, one, no one else has to do it, but also it's going to make you look good. I think that's an okay reason to do it. And yeah. while, while there may be that ulterior motive of looking good, you know, in your heart, there's, there's also that other reason of, you know, other people don't have to do it. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're bringing up some, something interesting because uh, a part of this that, that we really haven't sort of ventured into is, is the other person's per- perception of whether or not you have an ulterior motive. Because sometimes, you know, we, we may not even have an ulterior, mer- an ulterior motive, but it may appear to somebody else like we do have an ulterior motive. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing to think about is, is why. Is it because that person who's, who's viewing, viewing it from their perspective, you know, has some of their own personal motives and, and agendas that, that they're trying to figure out, um, you know, how to, how to push forward or, um, is it the, the way that we volunteer for the, for the task, um, is there a justification on our part that needs to happen so that people, you know, un- understand what our motives are? I, dude, I, I think this is like a, a super interesting thing that we could like go down so many different rabbit holes about. Yeah. And I think that's probably why I had trouble with an example too, because even when you were saying what other people are thinking, I was thinking, well, what do I think about other people? Yeah. So flip that. Like if so, if someone, as soon as the boss says, Hey, I need somebody to do this, they shoot up their hand. And I think back to the office, like, you know, when Jim went over to Scranton or not to Scranton, but to uh, wherever he went when he left Scranton for a little while, you know, they were looking for somebody to do some cold calling. He like raised his hand immediately and everyone looked at him like, Oh, he's a suck up. When Jim was, I think doing it because he had nothing else to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess, you know, when I was thinking about this and, and kind of what I want to just leave here, because you're right, we could discuss this forever. It's just this idea of stop automatically thinking that people are doing something nice or something good for the wrong reasons, especially when you're in a competition with them. Yeah. 
because they deserve the benefit of the doubt just as you do. And, and also the thing to think about yourself is if, if you're doing things for the right reason, the good reason, then continue to do them no matter what people think. Yeah. No, I dude, I think that's, that's, that's a really good way to leave it. Um, Cause otherwise I'd, I'd very willingly jump down some of these rabbit holes with you, <laughs> but I, I, that's a great way to leave it for, for the listeners and, and a great takeaway, um, you know, for, for, for me too. So, um, okay. Uh, I got one more dime and this one uh, is centered around the viral effect. Um, and so we see in the movie, you know, this, this toy turbo man is for all intents and purposes, it's a, it, it's gone viral. You know, the, the catchphrase that, that we use nowadays, it's, it, it's gone viral. And so, um, first off, what does that even mean? Like, you know, so I, I try to do a bit of research on like, what does it mean to go viral? And, you know, what, I, from what I found, there's, there's, there's potentially some math behind it on, you know, particularly like with the social media aspect of it. Now there's like some math behind it, you know, a, a certain number of, of hits on a site or views on a video or shares of a post that sort of equals, you know, viral, if you will. But in general terms, it's the more um, that people interact with something, the more they go and tell the next person. So, you know, think of it as like, um, I think they call it like the, the, the power of one thing. So like, let's say you, you, you make a, a social media post, one person sees it and they, they share it to two other people. And then those, those two people share it and they both share it to, to three people. And then those six people share it and then they, they share it to three people each and, you know, those 18 and so, so on and so forth. Um, this toy is, you know, for, for lack of a better term, it's gone viral. And so um, because it's gone viral, you, you, you see how it's affected all these people, um, you know, in the movie and, you know, obviously it's kind of like over drama dramatized in the movie, you know, folks bursting down toy store doors and running over people and, you know, fighting over this toy. Um, but then I thought to myself, like, is that sort of, you know, in maybe the, the, the worst instances, how like black Fridays can be sometime. And I say this as like, a a you know adamant will not go out for black friday kind of guy um so if this is not like what black friday is at all for the listeners then just completely disregard what i said but in my mind this is what like the worst instance of a black friday could be and so um i i i wanted to know you know because the term going viral, I think, you know, we only associated with like, I don't know, the last 10 years, maybe, you know, I, I think one of the first like 
viral things that I ever watched was that song Chocolate Rain. Um, you know, for for those of you who were like YouTubers, go look up a song called Chocolate Rain on on YouTube. It's by a, a dude named um, Tay Zonday. Uh, and I guess it was like 07 or something, 07 or 08. Uh, that was, I think, like one of the first like viral things that I ever watched. Um, but I wanted to look at like what things were were viral before going viral was what was a term because you know my my argument is that the only difference between going viral now and going viral like back in the day is word of mouth doesn't travel as fast as the internet can go uh and so back in the day you were viral through word of mouth and so i looked at 1996 uh specifically and one of the viral things in america believe it or not was nintendo 64 Check this out. In so Nintendo 64 originally launched in Japan, came to the US September 29th of 1996. By the end of that year, it had sold 1.5 million um, systems in America. 1.5 million in two months. Like that is like the definition of viral. And it wasn't because somebody was like on on dial-up internet, like, hey. Go buy Nintendo 64. It was because Sam told Joey, who told, you know, Reginald, who 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 told Adam, who told me, you got to get a Nintendo 64. And we all went and our parents for Nintendo 64s. And if we didn't get them, like, we were, you know, the most irate children around. Had to play um, some Goldeneye. Yeah, for sure. Goldeneye, Mario Kart, man, Super Smash Brothers, like, all, all that stuff. Um. But what's crazy is it, it, it sells 1.5 million systems in a matter of months. And then six years later, it's discontinued. While PlayStation comes out a year earlier and the PS5, you know, the fifth generation of, of PlayStation, you know, got released November of 2020. So, like, I was thinking to myself, what's the difference? And, and, it, it brought me back to this like viral effect and, and what it means to go viral. And um, I guess what I want to kind of get at for the dying is um, the things that people will do to become viral or to stay viral, um, particularly like in today's society. If you look at the apps that are out there, um, Vine, well, I guess Vine be, be before now, now TikTok or like Snapchat or you Instagram and, and Facebook that have these, these reels, they call them, that you can do for like 30 seconds at a time or whatever. Just like go and peruse some of the crazy things that people are doing to go viral, to, you know, get attention to to get likes and follows and comments and and those sorts of things now don't get me wrong some things are amazing like i've i've definitely been been caught you know watching some of these reels for way longer than than i'm um <laughs> going to actually admit um <laughs> um and be, be, because so some of these things are, are are truly amazing and and deserve to be known and seen like on on the world scale scale 
But some of these things are just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Like people making complete fools of themselves in 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 the name of going viral. And so it, it just got me thinking like the the society that we live in today and the world that we live in today, um, you know, people will 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 do what seems to be just about anything to become viral to become this overnight sensation and then they'll do almost anything to stay as an overnight sensation and i guess my question is at what cost or how does that affect a person you know psychologically physically emotionally like i know it's i'm sitting here like (laughs) yeah (laughs) not having the answer either to (laughs) to my my question man it's 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 I almost can't even under like comprehend it. Um, it's wild, man. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, just uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about the other three dimes that we've thrown out there with accountability, ulterior motives and, and, you know, presence over presence. And I think the other three kind of tie into the one because with some accountability, and, you know, understanding that people need to be present versus, you know, doing something that's going to make you maybe take them viral and checking if they're doing those things that if they if they're going to continue, they're doing them for the right reasons. So, like, man, I, it, it's hard to explain, like, is is social media and the viral effect, is it even a good thing? And, and I would lean towards it's not because more often than not, the negative is what's getting spread and, and what's going viral. You know, it's, it's the shaming of others, like the, you know, the people of Walmart or the, uh, you know, passenger, the air, airline passenger, um, you know, or, you know, just the disinformation campaigns that are, you know, out there. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a harmful and and toxic thing that, you know, I I hadn't even thought about within the movie, but the same, the exact same thing happened, right? This toy that, you know, the kids were going to throw away, you know, a, a year from now, six months from now or from then created this toxicity amongst all these people. Yeah. So how do we, you know, as a society kind of move on and move past this or, or get better? And, and I don't think it's ever going to change. I think things going viral are always going to, to happen. But I think we as people, you know, it goes back to that accountability. Having somebody in your life that holds you accountable not to, to get sucked into these things and not to share them and spread them unless it's for a good reason. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's beautifully put, man. Like, I just wonder if, if if somebody were to ask me, would I ever want to be famous? My answer immediately would be no. Like I have no desire to be a famous person or to like be somebody who, if I walk, if I'm like going on a trip and I walk through the airport, someone's like, Hey, I've seen you on social media. I've seen you like, you know, whatever, like I've got no, no desire to do that because 
I can't even imagine the amount of, of, of pressure, um, particularly like, like, like with, with these people who, who do become, you know, sort of overnight sensations because they have one viral video, you know, the amount of pressure that comes with trying to essentially catch lightning in a bottle again, it's gotta be enormous. And, and I think it's, it's, it's very different from being an athlete or, you know, a, a musician or a, uh, you know, a, a actor or something like that, you know, some, somebody who's, who's kind of trained their entire life to, to be able to perform at a particular level, you know, for, um, an extended period of time. Um, I, I think that's much different than, you know, somebody who creates a dance that becomes viral, you know, in a matter of weeks that, you know, previous to that didn't, didn't really have, you know, uh, what's it like the, the, the blue check on Instagram or the blue check thing on, on Twitter to, to show that I don't even know what that means, but seems like only like the people who have millions of followers and hundreds of thousands of followers have those things. I, I, I think that's, that's, that's very different, but it, it seems to be, it's, it's, it's almost like the viral effect has made being normal weird or like not being, not being viral, something to scoff at. And I think that's that's a that's a thing that you know for those who are listening, we got to get away from that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you bring up you know, yeah, you bring up some interesting points to to think about as far as you know, viral and, and going viral and, and why people do it. But yeah, I, I think we'll leave it leave it there. Let uh, let others decide, you know, how to how to think about viral sensations. But uh, one thing we forgot to do was our two-word check-in. Oh, we did. So I think we can use it as a two-word check-out. Yeah. So I'll check out with my two words of intrigued. Uh, just because I want to, I'm going to continue to think about ulterior motives and, you know, things going viral. And then the last word I'll leave with, uh, it will be jolly just cause you know, it's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, let's see my two word checkout. I'm going to go with, um, floored and floored as in like, I'm floored by the amount of stuff that we got out of this 19% rotten tomatoes <laughs> rated movie. <laughs> and, and and then uh the second one uh festive you know I, I think you know christmas time is is obviously a festive time lots of you know really awesome decorations and, and you know bunch of stuff going on so i'm i'm feeling pretty festive it's 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 cold here uh you know in in good old alabama um i don't think it's going to last but it, but it's cold so it's feeling a little bit more like Christmas. Uh, so festive will, will be my, my uh, second checkout word. I like it. Well, 
uh, the one, the last thing I'll say before we, we leave is if any of you didn't notice, Tori gave you the exact formula to make the Dropping Paradigms podcast go viral. So each of you need to tell two friends who will tell two more friends and so on and so forth and we'll be able to go viral. That way Tori can have his dream of being an overnight sensation. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it, but but also do it. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, dude, thanks for this. Everyone listening, please go rate, subscribe, review, and we'll be back. I think it might be after Christmas, but we'll probably still uh, bring you at least one more Christmas movie uh, on the Dropping Paradigms podcast. So again, uh, Merry Christmas and uh, see you guys next time. Merry Christmas, you guys.